Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Bravo, macht Tempo, wartet auf Harte. Herzlang gekommen und jetzt ist es Klos. Also, Arminia Bielefeld. Penny, 2-0. 2-0 für den FC St. Pauli. Diese Flanke, Tor, nächster Treffer. Es heuer, Fernandes mit vorne. Ja klar ist er mit vorne. Kittel mit der Ecke, Pujabalata. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Spider Bundesliga podcast, the only English-speaking media podcast about the Spider Bundesliga. Uh, it was another entertaining week of football in the greatest league in the world, and uh, the teams really turned on a spectacle of goals, drama, and upsets. There were plenty of those from match day 22. Alongside me, as always, to digress and dive into all the action from the weekend. Uh, Eva Lotta Bola. Eva, how are you doing today? Well, uh, the answer to everything is 42, apparently. <laughs> I don't know what it, that says about my mood, but um, yeah, very interesting week of football in the Zweite Liga at least. And um, yeah, let's get into it. Yes, we shall. It should be mentioned that the first section, our first group games, we'll look at the teams that are in the top four because there were some pivotal results and only one of those sides was able to take victory. That was Greta Furt. That game was last night. If you're listening on a Tuesday, the Monday night kickoff game, they hosted, they hosted, excuse me, Holstein Kiel. Um, and it looked like the visitors were going to make an early impression. Joshua Mies uh, putting in the cross from Fabian Riza and Kiel had control until Harvard Nielsen headed in. Uh, Daniel Rams cross to make it 1-1. And then a few minutes before the end of regular time, uh, a disastrous situation for Alexander Muling, who headed past Ioannis Gelios, and it was all three points to the host. It means the hosts are now second on goal difference. And either it would be fair to say... It's a great result for Furt, considering they were missing three players, but they weren't particularly good in this game. No, I would fully agree with you, especially in the first half. I thought that Kiel was uh, the better side. Um, they had a couple of chances uh, that, that Riese missed in the first half after a mistake by Hokota, I think, um, was really a huge chance for them to, yeah, to put another goal in the back of the net. Um, in the second half, Kiel still had chances, but I had the feeling that Fürth's defense was a bit better, but they weren't particularly trying to score goals uh, in that way that if you compare it to Kiel's first half. So it did surprise me a bit um, in the end how easy it was for Fürth to, to get the ball in for the second goal, although it was an own goal, but um, I'm pretty sure... Whoever that field player was um, would have scored anyway as well um, because they were very close to each other. Um, and and field scored another two, um, I think, two offside goals in that game. So in general, um, if you look at the statistics, um, you tend to want to say that uh, Kiel would have been the deserved winner. But in the end, um, it's really about using your chances and field did that a bit better Um really like just to point something out um 
Zapai, if you look at Zapai um, for the equalizer, he is blocking Maze so that Maze can't attack uh, Raum's cross, which is then the assist to Harvard Nielsen's um, goal. And I think that's actually very interesting to see because then like it's it's way easier for for Raum to put the cross into the box and that was um yeah really good work by Zapai that's a, a weird form of an assist as well you could say so yeah um it's Kiel's first defeat away from home and it's one there um will be extra bitter about because they could have um, been top of the league if they would have won this game yeah, exactly. And, and I know match day, which we're going to talk about the other two teams in the top four in a moment, that that would have been massive. Just the psychological boost of being, you know, three points clear of a couple of teams, then six points clear of Fürth. Massive advantage. We know in the Spider Bundesliga, it's a week-to-week situation. Um, but, yeah, they they had their chances. You mentioned Reza's chance with the one-on-one. Uh, you know, Lee had a, had a had an opportunity inside the five yard box, six yard box, sorry, which he was unfortunate to not keep down. It was the difference in the end because they were the better side, and you know they will be egregious that they didn't come away with something they should have, but they didn't. What it does mean is it sets us up for this mega four team title fight for from and one of those teams who was top. And still is top because of their goal difference is Hamburg. Ah, uh, boy. Uh, uh, I all I could imagine from discussing this three-two defeat to Würzburger Kickers is the uh, the music from Curb Your Enthusiasm, the Larry David, the kind of comedic, it's the kind of me music because geez, they were so poor in the first half defensively, and they were punished. Würzburg were very very good in the first half. Martin Hashik and Douglas getting the two goals in the first half to go 2-0 up. And then Patrick Sontheimer made it 3-0. Then Hamburg eventually kicked into gear. Jeremy Dudziak and, yes, Bobby Wood scored his first goal since November 25th, 2018. He was at Hanover in a 4-1 defeat to Borussia Mönchengladbach. What it means is, is that Hamburg are now, in their last five, they've won once, three draws and a defeat but it has allowed the, the teams below them, Bochum, which we'll talk about next, Fürth and Kiel to catch up. Um, I don't know which perspective you want to take, Eva, if you want to take Hamburg's perspective. Really poor, because we know Würzburg have been giving teams trouble, but geez, the sum of the defending throughout the first half in particular was um, was suspect at best. Yeah, there were a lot of memes going around about um, there a lot of um, yeah hints that it's going to be spring soon um, in Germany because the uh, the sun is out and Hamburg is starting to <laughs> bottle it again. Um, but I don't only want to say that has far especially in the first half that was not really worthy of um, yeah of a promotion side. Uh, but also Würzburg was really, really good. And it's not natural that you have that kind of self-confidence when you <laughs> bottom off the league. But I really liked how they um, outplayed Hamburg in the first half. I mean, um, they they really put pressure on Hamburg. I mean, the, that uh, second goal, I believe, um, 
was a mistake similar to the to the first goal so there was a bit slapstick involved but they did that very well they used their chances very very well and um, you have to say they were a bit lucky that uh, Hamburg went down to 10 men after Onana was being sent off with a second yellow um, because at that stage Hamburg was getting a bit stronger shortly after that Tuzia goal but um, when they were down to, to 10 men you, you had the feeling nothing was going for them anymore and so that was um, yeah, a bit bit of luck in the end for Würzburg who which was actually not really on their side in the last couple of weeks or in the season in general so very important for them um, and yeah, of course for Hamburg, uh, it's a setback if you look at the results of the of the league. But um, in general, maybe they need that because some games were going a bit too easy, maybe for them. But um, yeah, if you if you com- compare that, for example, for the to the Braunschweig game where they fought their way back, really used the yeah the the missing quality of their opponents uh they didn't really manage that in this game and um yeah they need to be quick uh in getting back into form yeah it's a rude awakening for them and maybe it's the one they need as you mentioned because they only have st Pauli next who are the form team of the side of bundesliga so that's a great opportunity as we've seen in the last few seasons that game has really dictated where each team has gone um so that's one we'll look out for. Würzburg were great. They were really, really good for the majority, and they were worthy of the three points. Really liked Hasek and uh, Sontimer's performance. And, yeah, important. Where another team took victory, you know, they closed the gap to Sandhausen, and they're slowly building a campaign. They have shown in the last few weeks that... They aren't going to go down without a fight. And they're a very difficult team to beat. You know, they've beaten Dusseldorf. They've beat Hanover. They've now beaten Hamburg. So they've beaten some pretty good sides. It's just that, can they beat the teams around them in the long term? That's something we'll have to keep an eye on. Let's move on to the last of our top four. Uh, Valfield Borkum. I played Friday night against uh, Erzgeberger Auer. We know how difficult it is to to make the journey to, to Saxony. Um... And they were just, they weren't, they were good, but they weren't great. And they were, they were, they were beaten. A goal to nil. Uh, Gaetan Busman, the left back, getting the one and only goal. Um, and what was pretty clear was the tactical nuance of Dirk Schuster, who gave Louis Samson a tagging role on Robert Jules. And either we know how good Jules has been all season, but Samson put in a mega performance to really limit his, uh, his impact on the game. Yeah, really, you could see that in this game, that um, Bochum wasn't really expecting that one of their key players was being taken out, not in an unfair way, but in a very tactical good way, as you've mentioned. And um, I've seen a couple of Bochum fans on Twitter actually saying that Bochum needs to find a way to quickly search for a solution because they will be, for certain other teams who looked at that game, see that it's possible or saw that it's possible to take out um Jule in that way and um <clears throat> sorry we'll try to copy that so they really need to quickly find a way to to overcome that but as you've mentioned um a brilliant work from our throughout that game a really important win for them as well I I 
Basum and um well I really want to touch on the two goalkeepers in that game because um yeah the general TV commentator was focusing on Menel because of his um some kind of anniversary I forgot what it was but um you really have to point out Riemann's performance here as well he he was brilliant in goal as well um, there were a couple of uh, shots against him. For example, that Fanri shot from the distance. Um, so he was basically the reason why Bochum didn't lost a bit higher even, although Menon on the other side was quite good as well. But actually, um, besides Samsung against Jewel, <clears throat> Menon against Riemann was a very good performance as well. Yeah, and it's important to note that these two are easily amongst the highest regarded in terms of goalkeepers in the Svita Bundesliga. And, and I don't think Riemann was expecting to be as busy as he was. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of that came with that matchup we mentioned earlier. Um, and as Jules lost possession quite often, you know, our were attacking and they weren't afraid to shoot from anywhere. Um, and yeah, it was just a really good performance from Auer who were able to max... Well, they probably could have had a couple more, but they did maximize in the sense that they got the goal, they were able to keep a clean sheet and get a pivotal three points. Keeps them in the top half of the state, the table, but you know, I guess the good thing for Borkham is that everyone around them, except Ferd, of course, lost. So uh, it makes for... With um, 12 match days to go... Uh, that the, uh, the the fight for promotion is very much on. It is very, very exciting. Let's take our first break. And on the other side, we're going to head to a goal fest uh, at the Millentor when St. Pauli hosted Darmstadt. If you said many, many weeks ago that St. Pauli would be on an, an absolute tear and the man partially responsible for this would be Guido Burgsteller. I may not have believed you, but as it turns out, that is the reality. As St. Pauli took a 3-2 win over Darmstadt. They did everything in their power to almost give the game away. It did St. Pauli after Guido Burgsteller and Omar Mamouche got the goals to give them a two-goal lead. But Darmstadt equalized quite quickly. Two goals in the space of three minutes from Tim Starker, sorry, Tim Schaker and Serdar Dursun ensured that it would be a very nervy final 20 minutes or so. But Guido Borgsteller scored his eighth goal of the campaign. That's eight goals in the last seven to give St. Pauli all three points. It wasn't all set in stone. Darmstadt had a number of chances in the final eight minutes, including stoppage time, which included a 1v1 from Honsak against Stojanovic, Dursant's effort off the bar, and a late scramble before the final whistle blew. Eva, so Pauli now up to 11th. The turnaround has been unbelievable. It doesn't make any sense, but nothing in this league ever does. Um, but what is clear is that the combination of Omar Mamouche, who came in on loan during the winter, and Guido Burgstaller is one that is working, that they've already contributed to a third of their goals this season. Yeah, um, it, it's really impressive what they have done in this ca- last, sorry, last couple of weeks. Uh, we keep saying that, and I mean it's really good to see Gideberg Stala, um 
Yeah, back on the pitch. Uh, I'm fairly certain that some Schalke fans are a bit sassy about this, seeing that. Um, sorry. Uh, but yeah, I um, to the game in general, good first half by St. Pauli. I mean, um, Darmstadt had the chance to score quite early um, after St. Pauli scored with um, Kemper. The free kick, um, just I think they hit the post three times in this game, and that was one of that um, moments. And uh, yeah, but football-wise, the second half was better from both sides. Um, more action, okay, with four goals, that's not that difficult. But yeah, um, really, I mean, Mamouche and Kiri had the chance to make it to know then. Um, I don't know how they missed that. <laughs> actually, I actually do not know. Um, then it was a really... We keep talking about the actually goal scorers, but uh, especially this match day, it does make sense to look at the players who gave the assists. And yeah, for this one, it's a really good assist by Smith for the second goal to Mamouche. It's a really good cross to him. He sees um, him very well in that moment. Um well, and then Zhang Pauli went full on Zhang Pauli, conceding two goals just in the space of 109 seconds. Um, not sure why you would think that uh, Sada Duzun is the player not to look out for. Um, but, well, they did. And, well, then, of course, Guido Bustala, eighth goal in seventh games. And, uh, once again, good assist by Lawrence in that uh, moment. But, yeah, that last chance, once again... Do not know how that not went in, but that was the third time they hit the post. And um, yeah, I don't even know which player was clearing at the at the goal line, but it was a team effort, you could say, and you could really see how yeah the the stress was falling off every one of the St. Pauli players. So yeah, they have been on a roll for Darmstadt. They were probably looking to. Yeah, get a get a second win or at least a second win of points after that one last last week. Um, so yeah, but unlucky for them as well. Yeah, they oh, they 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 threw the kitchen sink, uh, in that last you know the last uh, minutes of the game and yeah, it was amazing how they didn't score considering they had one off the bar, the one on one, and the last you know the last minute where they were just. It was just all or nothing kind of situation. So yeah, they're they're a bit unlucky, um, but they were lucky that other te- there were teams around them who also lost. So it kind of softens the blow. Uh, Saint Pauli, yeah, just magical runner form at the moment. We mentioned Borgstella scoring in his last seven. Uh, in each of his last seven, he's the first Saint Pauli player to do that. So. It tells you, like he was at Nuremberg at the Spider Bundesliga, he is accomplished at this level. Uh, and I'm not bitter that he's doing well. I'm actually quite happy for him because he's worked hard. He's a, he's a hard worker. No one can take that away from him. It's just wish that he'd score more goals for us. Uh, let's move on uh, to a pretty important game, even though both really are adrift of the top five. It was Dus- Fortuna Dusseldorf and Hanover. Um, just to prove how unpredictable this league is, um, you know, Ruben Henning scores a penalty, uh, Florian Muslia gets the equaliser, and then Florian Harditz gets sent off just on the stroke of half time. 
And you would think, with the numerical advantage, that Hanover would immediately steamroll Dusseldorf. Um, but no, they conceded twice. Uh, goals from Felix Klaus and uh, Schinter Applekamp um, made it 3-1. And then uh, Mick Gudra, on his Hanover debuts, 20-year-old, um, getting a goal, but it wasn't enough. And I pinpoint the the substitution at halftime, Eva, uh, to bring on Leonardo Cortes. He assisted the, the Klaus goal, and what a goal it was. Um, but you could tell that having him in that back four, they were far more confident going forward. And they didn't feel like they were under pressure when uh, the ball was transitioning the other way. Yeah, um, I would tend to agree with you there, but I also had the feeling that it was kind of really for for Düsseldorf at that stage because they could focus on counter attacks and not them kind of leading the game because that's what we've basically seen throughout that season. Düsseldorf doesn't like to have a lot of possession, um, and so they could easily give up the game in possession wise um, to Hanover because they were one man down and then Kutra is of course they a really really good job um, and they could mainly focus on counter attacks and that went very well Hanover couldn't really defend that especially um, the 3-1 they didn't look good at all um, when they were trying to come back and that that was quite good um, the only good thing for Nova in this game is that their youth is coming out to play and doing a good job. Um, that's what I think Canon Kochak saw after the game as well. Uh, but you did have a bit of feeling. It's it's like, okay, we're not talking about promotion anymore. We're not talking about relegation. So let's find the only good thing we have. If we have injured players, let's go with our youth. That is being developed well. Um, I have the feeling that a couple of Hanover fans do feel better. This is only happening now when you know that the rest of the season won't make a huge difference um, in in league-wise. Um, you, you can see that their their youth is definitely able to to pull something off, but nevertheless, of course, if you want to get promoted, you should win games like that. And um, they didn't look like it at all. So yeah, um, of course, a bit unlucky that um, well, Essa there were three shots on goal. Essa couldn't save one of them, which wasn't his fault. It's the defense that wasn't really going well there, but um, yeah, actually quite interesting that Dusseldorf's best player with shots on goal was uh, not being yeah involved in this uh, in the shot uh, yeah goal scoring actually with uh, Kovnatsky, but well in the end good performance by Dusseldorf. I mean, still pretty sure. They won't get promoted, <laughs> although this hurts me and my um, <laughs> kind of my table predictions. But yeah, um, good result for them. But I'm pretty sure it won't make a difference for the end of the season. It's okay. We were both wrong in this instance because my team was, of course, Hanover. Um, but yeah, just mm, not really a lot you can say about Hanover. They, are, if I'm not mistaken, they're the second team this season to 
have a numerical advantage and still lose. The other being, I'm pretty sure it was that 2-1 Eintracht Braunschweig beating Bochum. So, yeah, not great. Uh, an interesting stat that I saw courtesy of AWS on the Bundesliga app was that 91% of all attacks uh, came from the wings for Fortuna, so they were peppering the fullbacks and with great success. Let's move on to Valfell Osnabrück. They hosted Heidenheim, and they were hoping to break their duck of seven consecutive defeats. They couldn't do so. Uh, it was a 2-1 defeat. Heidenheim getting their goals through Tim Kleindienst, who's now got four goals, and Oliver Husing. Christian Santos scoring his first goal since match day two, although uh, his deflection um, off Timo Beerman's header, uh, giving them a goal, but it's another defeat for Osnabrück. Situation's looking very precarious. There's another team we'll talk about in the last section who made headway as well. Um, it's not looking good for Osnabrück. They continue to just be in this ultimate free fall. And, and now uh, they are well and truly in that relegation fight. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and especially in this game, you you look at how the they concede the goals, and if I'm not wrong, twice they concede um, because of Hatters. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I'm not sure, but I mean, especially with Kleindienst, he won 16 aerials in this game. 16! <laughs> and um, the problem I have, you, you have the feeling that Osnabrück did not entirely prepare for their opponent, um, which can be very unfair because they, I mean, they did not install a new coach in in that matter. But um, it's not going to get easier because they actually play Zandhausen on the next match day. Um, so there there are a lot of yeah similarities in this in those two teams and i mean it's only their second goal in the in the rückrunde for osnabrück and i mean it came way too late i think uh, sebastian müller had a had a chance before that um but in general it's not only that they it's not luck that it's missing but it's actually quality on the pitch and they don't defend well um they just in general, it it don't it doesn't look pretty for them. And if you look at the other teams, they are actually picking up points, like Nuremberg that we would talk about, like Würzburg, like Braunschweig. It it's going to be very tough for them. Yeah, it's um, I I would use the Al Davis, you know, terminology, just win, baby. Um, if any Oakland Raid Las Vegas Raiders fans, you'll probably understand that the phrase. Um, that's all they have to do. It sounds so easy, uh, and when you lose eight straight, nine of your last eleven, um, statistically, it's not really in your favour. You mentioned the game against Hausen. It's a game they have to win. Um, no questions about it. It's um, yeah. I think there was one player I wanted to pick out, and it was the. Um, right back, Ritz Muller, who assisted the Klein Eats goal, and it's so mega, because I love I love the celebration that he is, it's a I know I'm pretty good, it was a pretty cr- cracking cross, and Klein Eats finished off um, good performance for Heidenheim 
to get another win, it's not going to really change whether they're going to get promoted. They won't get relegated. They're pretty clear of that. But just another confidence-boosting win. Just solidify their, their place. They are playing, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, they are playing tonight against Paderborn in that catch-up game. So they could um, eke themselves ever closer. A win would put them on 35 points. Leapfrog Hanover, um, and they'll be a point behind Dusseldorf and Karl Zura. Let's take our final break. And on the other side, we will be talking about Karlsruhe and their game against Nuremberg. Karlsruhe missed a massive opportunity to get three points uh, behind that top four when they hosted Nuremberg on Sunday it was the only game on Sunday that didn't feature more than uh, four or more goals. Um, but one thing was certain is that Karlsruhe had their chances but didn't take them. And it took an old-fashioned smash and grab from Mats Moller-Daly to give the club a vital three points. Uh, Eva, we've been very, very critical about the performances of Nuremberg recently. We know that they stole one in Darmstadt. They were not bad in this game by any stretch of the imagination, but it did feel as if they, again, were very, very lucky to take the three points. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, that goal really sums up this game. I mean, it's with a lot of help from from Karlsruhe, um, for sure. But um, first of all, a lot of appreciation to Karlsruhe for the He's a Pirate theme song at the <laughs> when they when the players come out at the beginning. Always take that. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, um, in general, this was not a good game. Um, okay. If I'm honest, this game did not even deserve a winner. But um, yeah, if you look at the second half, or in general at the game, you had the feeling Nuremberg invested a bit more, and that's why there, if there was a winner, they deserve to be the winner. Wait, sentence away for that. Um, I mean, it's a bit weird that this is the first defeat for 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 Karlsruhe in twenty twenty one, because the way this defeat evolved to be one is just weird. I mean, good to see Matt Smalladini back on the score sheet in the Zweite Liga, but yeah, <laughs> it's as mentioned, both teams didn't do a lot, I mean, both XGs are under one, um, the only thing you can maybe pinpoint that uh, Karlsruhe didn't score was because Martina was actually quite good in goal, um, we mainly talk about him when he, I don't know, uh, is not good on goal, but in this game he was quite good in my opinion. So um, for him, very important to to keep a clean sheet here, and of course Weitzhoven for Nuremberg. Um, although they can't really rely on this performance because again it wasn't really good, not a good game of football. Agreed. Credit where credit is due for Matenia. He has come under some scrutiny uh, this season, but did a very very good job in just keeping it stable. Because if you look down the other end, uh, it's uh, poor old Marius Gersberg. He did not have one of his better games, it had to be said. He um, very nervous uh, with ball at feet. And um, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, he almost gave up the opener, um, which uh, which took divine intervention from a defensive uh, stop by. Um, well, Gersberg got a touch on it, and then the defense cleared. But um, yeah, it was an uncharacteristically poor performance from Karlsruhe, who have been very, very good over the course of the season, especially in 2021, which has actually put had put them in the fight for promotion. And you would have felt that they would have just steamrolled Nuremberg on the way they've played, but as we've seen, nothing is certain. Either. As mentioned by Eva, good to see Mats Molodelli get on the score sheet. He probably won't score an easier goal this season, but uh, he'll be happy to get off the mark and crucial for Nuremberg, who uh, leapfrog Jan Regensborg um, and Darmstadt into 12th. Let's talk about Paderborn. They hosted Sandhausen. On the weekend, of course, Sandhausen with the intro managers um, for the week. And it looked good early on. Uh, Bessa Halimi scored an absolute corker of a goal to give Sandhausen the lead. And it looked like maybe they were going to turn the corner, but goals from Dennis Sabeni and Christopher Atwiadjai ensured that Paderborn took all three points. Um, it will be very, very frustrating for Sandhausen knowing that they limited Paderborn to two shots on target, but both of those resulted in goals. Yeah, but on the other hand, I do have to say that that second half was very poor for Sandhausen. I mean, if you look at how they celebrated that goal, it um, it seemed like they would that like it was a last minute uh, goal, and they won that game after fifty minutes. Um, <laughs> And this is actually how they played those remaining <laughs> 75 minutes of the game. They they played like they actually already won that game. And although they had a couple of chances after that, um, yeah, that wasn't really, <laughs> really good. And um, yeah, in the end, Paderborn wasn't having his best day as well but not to sound mean but it was probably enough to beat Santel's yeah they did enough um, the two goals that they scored were, were pretty poorly defended admittedly the, the goals themselves were of high quality um, but you look at the, the second goal and the, the time that Atuia J had to set up inside the 18 and and brilliantly score past the Finnis uh, Capino. Um, so yeah, what it means for Sandhausen, importantly, is they are now in the bottom two. If the season was to end today, they would be relegated. And that is because Eintracht Braunschweig took a vital step in the right direction. They beat Jan Regensborg two goals to nil, and it was both second-half goals from Janis Nikolau and Nick Proschwitz scoring his sixth goal of the campaign to give... Eintracht, a vital, vital win. And a lot of it came from the performance of Yasmin Fezic, who wasn't the starter at the start of the year, won the job after some pretty poor performances from Felix Dornebusch. And yeah, it has to be said, credit where credit is due, you know, it can be very unsettling for a goalkeeper to come in having not played. But he's he's been pretty solid for them and... He was once again very, very good to keep the clean sheet for Braunschweig. 
<laughs> yeah, although one of the the players really wanted him to uh, or to test him, <laughs> I think it was uh, Nicolao actually. Um, no, but in general, uh, really, as you've mentioned, I was really impressed by Fazic's performance, and of course, uh, you, you have to say Braunschweig didn't really use that chance as well in the first half. Um, Ringsburg, of course, had a couple of chances as well. But um, what they didn't do in the first half, they did way better in the second. Um, was very impressed with the yeah with the way they came out and and scored those two goals. And I think it was really important that they scored them in this in this space of uh, less than ten minutes actually, um, because after that they were still trying to keep away not a lot coming from Ringsburg after that um, and I think for them it's actually really really important that they kept a clean sheet because they I mean they don't score a lot of goals and their defense is actually not good to to be fair so um, yeah that was a huge, huge win as you've mentioned yeah, yeah and as we look at the table they are now out of the direct relegation players and in the playoff, two points behind Osnabrück. Um, and, yeah, like, it was such an important game for them, especially considering they've got another six-pointer on the weekend against Nuremberg. And we, as we've mentioned in this podcast, as we mentioned most weeks, if you're a team trying to avoid the drop, you have to beat the teams around you before you can beat some of the better sides. And, you know, Regensburg are only six points above them at the moment and if Braunschweig continue if they can make it two wins on the bounce on the weekend then it really sets up for a very intriguing you know final third of the season where there are going to be a handful of teams again fighting to avoid the drop and you know Braunschweig I think Don Wong G as Eva mentioned a couple of weeks ago was going to be a player of importance he was influential throughout the game. I think his link-up with Kaufman was very good. Um, so they're going, at a, very slowly, they're going in the right direction. And when you consider that teams around them lost, like Sandhausen and Osnabrück, it can help them on their journey to survival. It's still a long way to go. That'll do us for another episode of the Spider Bundesliga podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. We always appreciate your support. And uh, we will be back next week to discuss all the action from Match Day 23. We hope you have a great weekend and we'll see you next time.